Five in a row, two points back. We'll talk Sabres and Jets. Also, more information on a Timo Meyer move involving the Buffalo Sabres. You're locked on Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That includes our YouTube channel. Be sure to check out the YouTube show where you can watch us. It is a great day to talk Sabres hockey. This team has won five games in a row, and they now sit just two points out of a playoff spot. Sneaky Joe DiBiase at Sneaky Joe Sports on Twitter at Locked On Sabres for our podcast account. And again, YouTube, search Locked On Sabres. You can find us right there. And then a 3-2 to two win over the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. Another road win. Another win against the Western Conference. Another win when the games start after 8 o'clock. The Sabres have lost like two games all season when the games start after 8 o'clock. They must love that for some reason. Um, so we will... We will recap that game. I have a bunch of things I want to talk about, about how awesome it was. A couple of moments. Of course, we're going to talk about the Thompson goal, um, but also a win for Eric Comrie. And we'll look ahead to Sabres and Wild a little bit as well. Also, a look around the rest of the Eastern Conference. There were a bunch of things that happened on Thursday night, and there are games that matter to the Sabres in the standings on Friday night. So all of that is upcoming here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. But I do want to start with a report and an update on Timo Meyer, the star winger, goal scorer for the San Jose Sharks, who is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. His name has been about in trade rumors for a couple of weeks now. We did our show, I believe on, was that Monday or Tuesday show? We did our show earlier in the week on Timo Meyer as a trade option for the Sabres. I didn't, though, really get to specific trade options. And I want to do a little of that here. But before I even do that, an update from Lance Lysowski of the Buffalo News. He tweeted this morning, on Friday morning, Sabres general manager Kevin Adams' contact with Sharks uh, forward Timo Meyer was simply due diligence, according to a source, a check-in to see what it would cost. Nothing serious at this point. Adams has said that he will always explore every avenue to improve the club. Now, what does that mean? To what level did did they contact? To what level is the interest at this point? Nothing serious at that point. I might qualify serious as there are offers. There is a negotiation going back and forth. And if Meyer's name has just come up in the trade market the last week or two, which appears to be the case, then every team would be trying to figure out right now how aggressively they want to push for this. And I don't know that anybody is really in serious talks with San Jose at this point. Maybe New Jersey. There's a lot of smoke out there about the Devils. The Devils um, The Devils are in second place in the Metropolitan Division. They really are pushing for it. They're ready to win, and they're in the standings at a place where they can talk about the Stanley Cup. Sabres are not quite there. So the Devils, it makes a ton of sense. I think the Sabres can outbid New Jersey, but other than the Devils, I don't think anybody really is in serious talks at this point with the Sharks, just from what I see. 
So Kevin Adams, Sabres Brass, I'm sure they're doing their work behind the scenes right now. Okay, what could we do here? Do we need to know the do we need to know the parameters of a contract before we do it? Uh, do we need to hold on to certain prospects versus others? You know, is it vital to them to hold on to Quinn and Paterka, the guys that are at the NHL level? Are they against trading Matthew Savoy? These are all conversations I think are happening behind the scenes, or I guess are happening behind the scenes right now for Buffalo. Now, another thing is maybe nobody is going to be in serious talks for a trade until San Jose allows teams to talk contract with Timo Meyer. And to this point, it's out there that no, they have not allowed anybody to do that. The Devils can't talk to Meyer about a contract. The Leafs can't talk to Meyer about a contract. The Sabres cannot talk to Meyer about a contract. And maybe nothing serious at this point with the Sabres and Meyer simply, simply means they're not going to get serious until the Sharks let them talk contract. And that might be an ask of every team. So we'll see what San Jose does. Do they allow teams to start negotiating with Meyer? I can't see why they wouldn't do that. I mean, the team acquiring Meyer is going to lose some of the risk. So when they lose risk, your trade return goes up. So I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Maybe San Jose is trying last-ditch efforts to try to sign Meyer before they get to the trade deadline, um, which, by the way, is the first week of March, so they still got some time. But if they get to a point where they think that he's going to get traded, I don't know how they don't let they don't let teams talk contract. Um, so maybe that's when the Sabres would get serious. A good question when talking about Timo Meyer as a trade option for the Sabres. Who's untouchable? We've not really had this talk yet. We've talked about guys they could acquire, Jacob Chikrin, Patrick Kane, although you know I'm against that, the the Meyer move, who's untouchable? I, unless I'm forgetting someone, I just kind of did this off the top of my head, the five names to me that are undisputedly untouchable that you can't move in a deal like this. Darlene, no. Thompson, no. Power, no. Cousins, no. Tuck, no. In a move for Meyer, those are my five untouchables. I'm against, I, I'm, I think, ugh, untouchable is a strong word. He's a bubble guy. If he's not in the untouchables for me, he is the very top of that next list, Jack Quinn. I would not dangle Jack Quinn out there for a trade for this guy. In fact, I might not do it at all unless it's like straight up, and San Jose's not doing that. So to me, I think Jack Quinn is very close to an untouchable. I think he is going to be a dynamite player for a long time in this league. His advanced numbers are incredible. His goals per 60 minutes on this team, I think he ranks sixth on the club, um, or even fifth maybe. Uh, He ranks above Darlene even. So Quinn, I think, is a guy you hang on to. Past that, I could be open to anything, and that includes J.J. Paterka. That includes Matthew Savoy. That includes Yuri Kulik. That includes Devin Levi. Though, that's the group right there. Quinn, Paterka, Savoy, Kulik, and Levi. To different degrees, if I'm the Sabres GM, you could talk me into it. You could talk me into, okay, let's move one of those guys. We don't have to trade a first-round pick. Maybe if we move Quinn we don't have to, or one of the other guys. I don't know. In that order, though, probably. Wouldn't want to trade Quinn. Wouldn't want to trade Paterka. Wouldn't want to trade Savoy. Wouldn't want to trade Kulik. Wouldn't want to trade Levi. But I could be talked into it. Then come the prospects I would be offering. 
not because I don't like them as prospects. I think they could be very good players, but there is more uncertainty with these guys than that group I just mentioned. Noah Oslin, Isaac Rosine. Those are the two. To me, those are the two. Oslin, remember, was drafted ahead of Kulik, but Kulik, his his year one of development after the draft, it's going a lot better. I mean, he had a phenomenal night the other night. The Amherst rallied, I think, from a, from two goals down, and Kulik led the way on that with, I think, a goal and two assists. So he's playing great the AHL level. Rosine is too, but those are lesser to me thought of prospects. Um. Oslin, meanwhile, you know, it's, it's a more of a wait and see type of approach. So untouchables to me, Darlene Thompson, Tuck, Cousins, Power, and almost Jack Quinn. The guys I would hesitate to move, Paterka, Savoy, Kulik, and Levi. And then the guys I'd be willing to part with, Noah Oslin and um, Isaac Rosine uh, in the Sabres pipeline. But that's it. I think if you pair a prospect, you get a first-round pick. You get in that ball game, but I understand that the Sabres don't want to get serious until they know what a contract might look like so that they don't risk, you know, losing all of their leverage in a contract negotiation with Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. His name continues to circulate circulate and maybe he gets traded in the coming weeks. We'll see. Take a timeout. When we come back a fifth win in a row, tons to love about that win over the Winnipeg Jets. That is coming up next here on the locked on Sabres podcast. We are presented and brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. It's all on the app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. I will have some bets. I got one sneaky good bet for Sabres and Wild uh, coming Saturday night. So stay tuned for that coming up. Uh, Hockey fans, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked On Sabers podcast. Uh, were there any YouTube comments that I wanted to check out here? Uh, there was actually uh, Andrew, who has chimed in a couple of times on our YouTube channel. He says Myers' contract isn't going to work out. He is going to command eight to eleven million dollars. You got a lot of kids that are going to need contracts. Team needs some solidification on the back end. Even though the Yotes haven't gone down on their price, maybe Adams can wiggle it down. I think a player, a prospect, and a first can get it done. He's talking about Jacob Chikrin. Now, I will say this about their cap situation. I understand that sentiment that, hey, we're going to have to pay guys. Darlene's contract is going to be enormous, right? That is $6 million for one more year, and then he's an RFA. That's going to be $10-plus million a year. Samuelson's under contract, though. Thompson's under contract. How many more big deals do you know you're about to give out? Cousins. Cousins and Darlene. For for the short term, that's it. Power, that's a couple of years down the road. They probably give him an extension, though, like a a long-term one, the way they do things after next season. It's just kind of how they go about it. Um, But otherwise, 
you know, that's it. And they've got right now, they got $20 million in cap space. Next year, they'll have $31.8 million. The year after, they will have $60 million, then $66. Like, they don't have money tied up long-term. I get it. I don't want to be adding four or five free agents that are going to tie up money long-term. But remember, Oposo comes off the books uh, next year. I, to me, you could fit one big contract in. I don't know about like, even two. I think you could fit in two. You know, once you start getting to three or four, that's where it starts getting hairy. But I wouldn't worry about one big contract. And the 8 to $11 million range, by the way, that's a huge range. I think that Meyer comes in below $9.5 million. I don't think he's a $10 million player. He's a great player, but I don't think he's a $10 million player. If the Sabres got to pay some premium because they're Buffalo and they still don't have the greatest reputation around the league, they're building that back up, maybe you go to nine, nine and a half. I don't think he gets $10 million. Uh, and certainly not 11 Certainly not 11 that is reserved for like the elite, elite players in the league today. But anyways, thank you for the comment. How about that win over the Winnipeg Jets? A fifth straight win for the Sabres. They win 3-2. to two. The game was not nearly as close as the score might have said. It was not a 3-2 to two hockey game. The Sabres led 3 to nothing late in that game. They did a phenomenal job controlling play throughout the night. Big moments, great goals. Um... Started with Owen Power, his third goal in a row, three games in a row with a goal. He's got three on the season, just like that. He opens the scoring about halfway through the second period. That game was 0-0 for a long time. And Power, I mean, it's a nice goal. That is, you know, he's coming in from the right point. He makes a quick little move back and forth with his hands. He gets around the four checker. And then, you know, it's not that devastating of a shot. It's a hard wrist shot, low blocker, low and away and it beats Hellebuck on the short side, um, he made Hellebuck work for it. And Hellebuck usually makes that save, but it's a nice shot. It's a nice play by Owen Power. And he was great all night. Uh, he was a big part of that second period where the Sabres dominated. Then the highlight reel goal at the 14-15 mark of the second period. Wow. So Tuck takes the puck in his own end, puts it up ice to Skinner, and Jeff Skinner, I would equate it to a quarterback throwing a receiver open in the NFL. Skinner throws Tuck open. Tuck is zooming down the right boards or the, like the closer to the right boards. He puts it past the defenseman. Uh, I believe it was Logan Stanley. And Tuck picks it up. And then, so Skinner already makes an incredible play on, the, on, on that or pass on that play. Then Tuck has the wherewithal to know Tage Thompson's flying down the slot. And Hellebuck overcommits to where Tuck is, where he has a great scoring chance on a shot, but he knows, listen, this is where I always, I will always defend players that make the extra pass. Some When you make the extra pass work, it's an easy goal. And I will take, what, what was Thompson there? 99% to score in that spot. He had the whole net. I will take. Hey, making an extra pass gets you to a 99% chance at a goal rather than if I shoot here, I have a 30% chance at a goal. I like the extra pass. Tuck executes it to perfection on this play right in the wheelhouse for Thompson. He's at the whole net to shoot at because Hellebuck is overcommitted and it's a highlight reel goal. The NHL Twitter account is tweeting about it. Uh, the NBC, uh, or not the NBC, the TNT NHL uh, Twitter account is posting the video. It's getting shared. At ESPN Sports Center, um, everyone was picking it up. My favorite tweet, though, of the night was Dmitry Filipovic from uh, from the Athletic that tweeted back to back still images of 
Tuck kind of skating away from Thompson with his back to him, like knowing, oh, he's going to score this, assuming he's going to score it. And next to Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, that infamous Dwayne Wade alley-oop photo where he's just thrown the alley-oop to LeBron, who's in midair about to dunk it. And Wade is in front of him facing the crowd with his hands up like, what? Like, he knows LeBron's about to dunk it, and it's a highlight real play. So that was a great tweet. What a goal. Top 10 Sabres goal of the year? They've had a lot. It's the best passing play, I would want to say, of the year for the Sabres. I will, I will, I'll say it. It was into an empty net because Hellebuck was so out of his jockstrap there. But I uh, I will give it, I think, a top 10 Sabres goal of the year. We'll have to do that as a show after the season. Top 10 Sabres goals. Thompson's 34th of the season, by the way. And then Victor Olofsson on the power play in the third period. Dylan Cousins had left with an injury. By the way, the update on Dylan Cousins is that he could have returned to the game. Uh, he kind of got hit in the, in the face. It was a roughing penalty. It looked like he got butt-ended uh, to me. He, I thought I was worried right away. I thought concussion. I thought that's what my first thought is. And maybe he does have a concussion. Um, well, no, he couldn't have because he would have cleared because Granado said he was able to come back. So should be good news on Dylan Cousins. But Olofsson... 23rd of the year. Remember, he's getting a lot of even strength goals. This one was a power play goal. Um, the Sabres dominated the Jets. That second period, I tweeted in uh, a short abbreviated version of Explain Myself here on the show. I tweeted last night. That was one of their best periods all season. That second period, they had the puck the entire time. I mean, how many shots? How many shots did Eric Comrie even face? Was it two? The Sabres just dominated the entire period. Winnipeg fans were getting restless. The Jets were getting restless. They were starting to lose their composure and try to start stuff after the whistle because they were getting utterly dominated. Um, yeah, that second period by the Jets, they had they had 11 shot attempts to the Sabres, 23. The Sabres doubled them up in that third period. So it was all Buffalo. And they left with a 2 nothing lead. It felt like they were going to wrap it up. I mean, they really did. The goal's late. Comrie made some big saves, though. I'll give it to him. First win since the first week of November for him. It happens in, against his old team in his own building. Little revenge game for Eric Comrie. He made some nice saves. He wasn't challenged all that much. There was a point in time where the MSG put a graphic up with like three minutes to go that Comrie had only faced 15 shots. But he does end up facing 21. On the night, 19 saves. So, again, a fine game for uh, Eric Comrie. Nothing special, but he did make some big saves, including, by the way, one big save down the stretch in the final two minutes. This is after, or in the final minute even. Winnipeg had made it 3-2, to two, and they came down on a rush. And Comrie, he's very fundamentally sound. He's not, like, the most athletic goalie. It's more on his technique. He just, nice, calm, cool, and collected raises the shoulder just a little bit and deflects the shot back into the corner. So he made one clutch save in that final minute that really put it home for Buffalo, but good for Eric Comrie to get the win. But again, the Sabres dominating possession. They outshoot the Jets 36 to 21 in this game, five on five shot attempts in this game, 48 for Buffalo to 36 for Winnipeg scoring chances were 28 for Buffalo to 19 for Winnipeg. And then high danger scoring chances, 11 for Buffalo to four to Winnipeg. Expected goals for 70.4% in favor of the Sabres. That's, I, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me. It's got to be one of their highest marks of the season. And that really is it. 
That's the mark of a good team. That's the mark of a great team. Not saves. Not did your goalie stand on your head. Not not even goal scoring, honestly. And I know the Sabres are tied for first in the league at that, but not even goal scoring. The mark of a great team is when you dominate possession, you dominate scoring chances. If you have enough scoring chances, puck's going to go in the back of the net. The scoring will come with it. You dominate possession enough, scoring will come with it. You know, I don't like to overreact to teams that are at an insanely high shooting percentage. You know, teams that come away with 25 shots on goal, but they have five goals that night. Did they really have that great a night offensively, or did they get a little lucky? Because I would want to point to and say they got a little lucky. Game like this, where they score three, felt like they could have scored seven. Because, again, they had so many chances, so many shot at, shots on goal. Um so many great scoring chances from prime spots. You look at their heat map. It's all in the middle of the ice. Uh, I I think that's the mark of a great team. The Sabres are showing that they are not just a fluke, that they are not just winning games, you know, because they made the shootout or because it went off a leg. Like, they're scoring skilled goals. They're dominating the puck, and they're dominating some good teams. Winnipeg is a good team. I think they're inflatedly good because of their goaltender, because Hellebuck's the second-best goalie in the world. But they're number two in the West. That's the second place team in the West on the road. And you ran them over for 60 minutes. Well, maybe 58 minutes. The final two were tough. 53 minutes or whatever. So great job by the Sabres. And they inch closer to a playoff spot. By the way, before we take a timeout and tell you what else happened in the Eastern Conference, with uh, we're going to rename the segment The Hunt. At least for the time being. The Hunt. The Sabres are in the playoff hunt. We're going to call it The Hunt. Because Sail Across the Atlantic, I liked it at the beginning of the year. But it's it's really become more about the Metropolitan teams. Because do we care about anyone in the Metro right now? Or in the Atlantic? Tampa, they can't catch, I don't think. And look below them. Am I worried about Detroit? Am I worried about Ottawa? We're going to call it The Hunt from now on. That's coming up next. Before we do that, though, quick preview of Sabres and Wild. The Wild have not been playing all that well since they faced the Sabres a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We don't know anything about goaltending yet, so we don't know a lot about the lineups. Cousins, again, I'm guessing he'll be back for that game, but we don't really know. Saturday at 9 o'clock puck drop in Minnesota before the Sabres return home. They get a couple days off, and they play the Carolina Hurricanes at home on Wednesday. But I like this matchup against the Wild. The Wild just had a night against Philly, by the way, where they had three fights in 17 seconds, and then a fourth fight a couple of minutes later. Uh, Very strange game for today's NHL. But I like the Sabres' chances. I would guess Ukepeka Lukin in that. So, again, I'm guessing at Cousins and Lukin in playing, but we'll see uh, come Saturday. The Sabres, this is my sneaky bet of the night, or of the day. The Sabres are plus 155 at our friends over at FanDuel to win this game. They are an underdog. I'm going to make that my one sneaky bet of the night. Sabres just a win. Plus 155. You bet 100 to 155 is what that means. Or 10 to win 15. The underdog in the Sabres wild matchup has won six games in a row. The underdog in Sabres wild has won the last six. I'm going to bet that streak continues. There's really nothing to it. There's no reason to believe it will other than destiny. But I'm riding with destiny on this one. Seven games in a row, I'm going to say the underdog wins. I'm betting the Sabres. They get a day's rest. They get back to their number one goaltender. Here's the hoping they get Matias Samuelson. And remember, that was a surprise that he missed Thursday night's game against Winnipeg. He was not out there for warmups, but he did practice. Uh, he did practice on Thursday morning. They held him out because he didn't feel right. So I don't really know what to make of that. The fact that he practiced on Thursday makes me think that it's not going to be long-term. 
but maybe they hold them out to Wednesday because they have, you know, a few days off in between. So Sabres and Wild. I'm going to go Sabres under, as the underdog on the money line, plus 155. All right, time for the hunt when we come back. What happened around Buffalo? There was a big matchup between Washington and Pittsburgh. We'll tell you what happened there and what that means for the standings, plus a couple of games that mattered to Buffalo on Friday night. That's ahead here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Welcome back, Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Again, if you want to get involved in the show, you can tweet at me at Sneaky Joe Sports. Get a hold of our podcast account at Locked On Sabres, or go to our YouTube channel right down below in one of our videos. There's the comment section. Keep it clean, people, which you do a great job at. I must give our listeners props; they keep it clean uh, for the most part. Uh, always a few bad apples, but not many. Not many for us. But anyways, uh, Sabres win. They're fifth in a row. They are now two points back of a playoff spot. Two points back. And you know what? Depending on the site you look at, you know, they, they're a better playoff chance to win than others. Moneypuck.com, for instance, which we reference sometimes here on the site, has the Sabres at 56% to make the postseason. I'm not guessing that it's that high. Money Pucks had a weird year with their algorithm. In fact, they have the Sabres more likely to win the cup at 2.7% than they have Colorado at 2.4. And that's not true. I mean, I love the Sabres right now. I think their season's going great. They do not have a greater chance to win the cup than the Colorado Avalanche do, who, by the way, are back in a playoff spot. So that's nonsense. So take that with a grain of salt, that 56% number. I'm going to go to the odds. I'm going to use FanDuel again for this. They've got the Sabres at plus 250 to make the playoffs. That's about, you know, 30-ish percent to make it. That feels about more right. I'm feeling like it might be closer to 50-50 at this point. I might feel like it's like 45%. I'm feeling great about it. Washington-Pittsburgh on Thursday night. The worst possible result, in my opinion. The best possible result, to me, would have been Pittsburgh winning in regulation. Only two points get given out, not three. The team that's that's easier to catch, Washington, gets zero. Pittsburgh, you know, you let them stay ahead of the pack a little bit. As long as you catch one, that's all that matters. Washington wins in a shootout. I mean, come on. Washington wins in a shootout. Uh, a, a good game. I was watching a lot of it before the Sabres-Jets game and then during the intermissions, back and forth. Those teams looked evenly matched. Uh, they both look kind of old, but they both have star players that still are incredible. Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Backstrom is looking a little bit closer to form after that major surgery um, that he had earlier in the year. So they look kind of even, but Washington wins in a shootout. All right. Well, I guess no regulation or overtime win got given out in terms of the tiebreakers, so that matters. So now Washington remains three points ahead of the Sabres, but Buffalo has a better points percentage, and they have three games in hand. That's why they have a better points percentage. They have three games in hand on Washington, and they are three points back. So again, just to match the Capitals, the Sabres would have to go 1-1-1. One, one, and one. And if they did that, by the way, they'd be ahead of Washington in terms of regulation overtime wins, which is the tiebreaker. Uh, they're both sitting right now at 25. So that's where they are in terms of Washington. Washington, the top wildcard spot. Pittsburgh, meanwhile. Pittsburgh, the Sabres gained a point. And that means that they're still in it. They're still in it to catch Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is now only two points ahead of the Sabres. These two teams, though, have played the same amount of games. Uh, regulation and overtime wins, the Sabres actually outrank Pittsburgh 25-23. to 23. So they have the tiebreaker for now, and they are two points back. So that is manageable. The Capitals are manageable. The result is not what we hoped, but the Sabres got the win. That's, that's what matters most, and they gain 
They gain a point on the Penguins, and they gain a ROW on Washington. Now, they're not the only two teams to focus on. One other team above that I want to focus on, and one team below that both play on Friday night. Pittsburgh and Washington both off on Friday. Florida. Florida hosts the the LA Kings on Friday night. The Panthers are five points back after losing in overtime in their last match. They're five points, or no, excuse me, three. They're five points back of a playoff spot. They're three points back of the Sabres, and they have played two more games than Buffalo. At some point, they're going to have to prove to me that they can actually do it because I've been saying all year they are dangerous. They are talented. I think they could go on a run. I still feel that way, but as I've said before, every game that goes by, I feel less and less confident that they're actually going to go on that run that I think they're capable of. So we'll see. They have a negative goal differential. They've only won five of their last 10. So just keep an eye on Florida. They're behind the Sabres. Sabres have games in hand. So they're, they're in good shape mathematically against them. But again, that is an ultra-talented unit. Uh, they are a favorite against the Kings on Friday night at minus 142 over at FanDuel. So that's an easy one. Go Kings. Go Western Conference. That's a 7 o'clock puck drop on Friday. Also a 7 o'clock puck drop on Friday. How about we look up? Let's look up even more. The Rangers. I'm going to mention them for the next little bit here. We'll see if they pull away at all. They are currently five points ahead of the Sabres. They're in the third spot in the Metro, but they are only two points ahead of Washington and three points ahead of Pittsburgh. So they could drop down into that wildcard position. The story on the Rangers is they're the healthiest team in hockey all year. They've had no injuries at all. So maybe that luck turns for them. I don't know. Either way, five points ahead of the Sabres. I think that's doable. Now, they have played the same amount of games. So the Sabres have to be three wins better than them the rest of the way. Again, tough. I think they are definitely third. They are a distant third, maybe even, among the teams that are catchable by the Sabres. Um, but worth monitoring them. And they also have a Western Conference game on Friday night. Vegas is in town. Listen, you got to root for Eichel. You don't have to root for Eichel. You can root for the Golden Knights. Root for the Golden Knights to win without Eichel getting a point, which he has not been doing as of late. Uh, so I'm rooting for the Golden Knights just this once. I I hate them just as much as you do. Um, Eichel is not playing well, but they have been able to win some games recently, even without him. Uh, the Rangers are favored in that game at minus 156. So the math could look really good on that front. I mean, if the Rangers lose tonight in regulation and the Sabres win tomorrow, They've played the same amount of games. The Sabres are three points back. That's right there. That is right there. But, you know, we'll see. They'll have a game in hand on the Rangers after tonight, so it would be nice to get a win there by Vegas for the standings purposes. And I think that hits it. I think we got everything in that I was looking for. Uh, no, one one last thing. One last thing before we get out of here. All-star. Austin Matthews, who was an all-star, has a knee sprain. He's out three weeks. He'll miss the All-Star game in the next three weeks for Toronto. By the way, it doesn't matter in Toronto. They're they're almost locked into that number two spot. Maybe, maybe they could fall to number three, but they're going to play Tampa in round one. Matthews missing the All-Star game means that there was an opening, and people were mad about Darlene not making it. Darlene's not the guy going. Alexander Barkov is going. It's, uh, for hockey reasons, it's nuts. It is nutty that Barkov is going to the All-Star game. Barkov is having his worst season since maybe he was a rookie for 
the Florida Panthers. He's been dealing with injuries. He has not been playing all that well. In fact, the biggest reason, I, I'll say it, the biggest reason they're not as good as they were last year is Barkoff. Barkoff last year had 88 points in 67 games. This year he's got 43 and 40. Not even close to the point trajectory he was on last year. Only 13 goals this year. He scored 39 last year. Huge downtick in terms of production. But I also understand why they did it. I don't think anyone's going to tell you that Barkov's having a better season than Darlene. Darlene is the second best defenseman in hockey this year to me. Maybe even first. It's him and Eric Carlson. But the All-Star game is in Florida. So they, I get it. They want a second hometown guy. They gave it to him. So for that reason, I understand it. If you want to complain about anything, honestly, it's not even bark off to me because, again, they're going to give the, the hometown kid, the hometown guy, uh, a, a spot there to you know get fans to show up even more and be more energetic. The biggest knock on the All-Star game is that no defensemen are going for the Atlantic. Not one. It's all forwards and two goalies. And that's ridiculous that not a single defenseman from a division will go. But anyways, it's All-Star game. Who really cares? All right, if you're watching Panthers and Kings, again, go Kings. And if you're watching Golden Knights and Rangers, I understand if you don't want to root for the Golden Knights, maybe just check the, the score after the fact. I will be rooting for Vegas, though, because I think the Rangers are gettable. So enjoy those games. Enjoy Sabres and Wild on Saturday night. Hope we get a good weekend, and we will talk about it all coming your way on Monday. So thanks, everybody, for listening here to the Lockdown Sabres podcast, and we will talk to you on Monday.